This is the Bunt, the number one podcast in skateboarding, brought to you by the number one shoe in skateboarding, Vans. Off the wall since 1960, motherfucking six. Indicating a bunt, yes, he's bunting. Drop that bitch. I'm D Jones. I got my main man, the ghost, with me, and we got Ants One behind the scenes. It's a cool thing. Still, still. Ghost, we taking it back to a real OG this week, baby. Tell them what we're working with. Yeah, triple OG, West Coast to the East Coast. We're talking Jerry Fowler, one of the smoothest dudes to step feet on a board. Fun interview with him, picking his brain about the old days. Tune into that, Jerry, doing it big. Yeah, do you know what the fuck it is, man? Then we go into the post office. Fun, fun emails. A great voice note this week. Uh, all around good time. Hit us in the inbox. You know what to do. Then we're wrapping it up with some sports talk. You know what I'm saying? Donald thinks he could get 14 yards in the NFL. <laughs> Cooking it. <laughs> so uh, make sure to write in and let him know how wrong he is about that. But we'll probably get some delusional buttonholes being like, I could get 28 yards. Like... <laughs> No, you couldn't. Yeah, great episode this week. You know what I'm saying? We cruising. It's like one of those inspirational quotes, Ghost. If you don't believe in yourself, who will? <laughs> Make sure to follow us on Instagram, at The Bunt Live. Subscribe to us on YouTube, at The Bunt Live. Hit us up on our email, thebuntlive at gmail.com. And then head over to thebuntlive.com. Every episode log for your listening pleasure. You do it for the people, so we don't. You know it, bro. Shout out of the week. Brought to you by The Den. By skaters, for skaters, for the undying love of skate videos. An app available for free on iPhone, iPad, Android, and even Apple TV. Hop on your couch. Tune into The Den. You even get notifications when new fire drops. It's the place to be, man, if you're a skate nerd like us. Oh man, I was annoyed. Last week when we recorded, this came out right after. And so this would have been last week's one, but better late than never. Our boy, hailing out of Montreal, Charles Deschamps, just went absolutely berserk once again. He only skates at the highest level. He put out a full part for uh, studio skateboards called Eva or Eva. Uh, You can check it over on free. It's just another masterpiece by Charles, man. Been our homie for a long time. He's around our age. I got nothing but love and respect for him. And he always just blows my mind, the level of skating he maintains, man. Um, so go check that out. It's on the Studio Skate Skateboards YouTube. Charles and Eva. And uh, a little bonus shout out. Our brother, Bunt Alumni, Carlos Ribeiro. You already know, healing up that ankle and wrist, get well soon. But his indie part was bananas. Switch crook through the double kink of pain. The one that uh, Rally made famous with the lip slide fakie back in the Dizzy and Sorry. He's just one of those dudes pushing skateboarding, man. 
switch crook i never thought i'd see a switch crook through a rail like that down little across down little kink on the way out no problem for carlos well actually it looked like he slammed a shit ton trying it because he's a beast but uh go check that out too carlos for indy god damn and like the ghost said we've got jerry fowler a no tick legend in the building this week there's only one thing left to do and that's crack a couple cold ones and what are we drinking the coldest beer on earth beamer beer baby it's a lager it's the only buzz and it's the only beer that you need once you're done listening to this if you're in the toronto area head over to danny's pizza on college get yourself a nice little thin crust pizza and ice cold beamer beer and you're gonna be set baby jerry fowler Let's get into it. All right, we've got Triple OG Jerry Fowler in the building. Been waiting for this one for a long time, man. What's going on? Nothing, man. How are you? We're always good over here, man. You're uh, doing this interview live from from work, man. So uh, thanks for taking the time out of your busy day. Yeah, no, and hopefully we're we can handle it uninterrupted. <laughs> I hope so. So Jerry, man, we start every show off the same. Hit us with your favorite skate moment and your favorite sports moment. I'll do sports first. Probably when the Boston Red Sox won the World Series. Mm, the epic comeback. Yeah, I mean, I was I was uh, ha- hanging out with friends heavily through that whole series. Mm-hmm. And um, we were watching every game at the same bar, same vibe, and it was just great. Um, and then when they won, it was great. So I wish I was still into baseball like that. Yeah. Um, but it kind of fizzled away from me. Favorite skate moment? I guess it would just be all like all traveling. I, that can be one moment. I guess that can't be one moment, but one yeah. thing. Uh, I love traveling. I love being on trips. I loved just being out of my element and not knowing where I'm at and knowing you're going to be there for a small amount of time and wanting to like squeeze all of all everything that you could out of that spot for sure or that location you know that was like one of my favorite things i don't know about a moment that would that would take a minute for me to um to figure that Uh, out that's a great one man traveling in general even though it's not a specific moment i think probably everyone listening can agree with that one some of the best times for sure so Take us back to the beginning. Where did you grow up and how did you get into skating? Suburbs of Los Angeles. Just picked it up like everybody else in my neighborhood. We were trying everything out, every sport, every, you know, we were all playing baseball. We were all getting into BMX. We were all getting into skating and, you know, small group of friends trying everything out, seeing what works. And, you know, we would move on from one thing to the next and skating just always was a constant for me that I never wanted to go on to the next thing. Right. Mm-hmm. It was always it was always skating and baseball for me and then like you know baseball kind of got old. I didn't like going yeah. to practice or you know telling tell, somebody telling me that I I have to feel like do some like doing that, you know, like I just mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted to be on my own schedule I think is what it was and uh so I, skating just took over. And that was pretty much it. So what would you consider your first big break in the skate industry? Meeting Ed Templeton, probably. It was kind of like a combination of like meeting Ed and like hitting it off with him and then him introducing me to Chris Ortiz, a photographer. Mm. And that kind of all happened at the same time um, because of my 
my um like my new friendship with ed so i would say ed um just just taking a liking to me um for whatever reason we we got along you know like people do and um yeah i just started skating with him and he kind of took me under his wing and but let me be me at the same time you know he wasn't he wasn't like trying to mold who i was he was just kind of very accepting of who i was and um it was a, a at a time in my life where it was like i was very into that and like it was just a great friendship and he kind of opened a lot of doors for me with like photographers and sponsors and stuff like that so the connections that he provided for me and the people that he introduced me to like lasted my whole career you know so mm-hmm. it was very impactful oh yeah legend What's the deal with Ed trying to snap candid photos of people back in the day? You have any memories of him doing that type of stuff? Yeah, I mean he, but he was like, he wasn't like creepy about it. He was taking photos. <laughs> of, he was taking photos of everything. So it's like, yeah, there was nothing was off limits. So it was like, if it was happening, it was it was fair game. So um, mm-hmm. I never really got involved with that stuff. Yeah. Ed's one guy that uh, we've had uh, no luck getting on the podcast, man. I remember a former guest, I forget who it was, gave me his email a few years back. And he was he responded and he's like, this is your chance to to pitch why I should come on the podcast. So go for it. And I think I like wrote a message and I just never heard back from him. Yeah. So obviously the pitch wasn't good enough. <laughs> yeah, he's busy, man. You know? Yeah. Damn. We might have to try and That's double up that email man i forgot about that let me yeah. craft it this time we'll see what happens yeah you take a shot at him <laughs> can you tell us about going pro for toy machine and uh i mean they've had a few different glory eras i feel like but in uh the early glory days how cool was that for you um it was awesome i mean yeah they've had a lot of seasons you know like different different eras and they're all good yeah, it was, you know, that we had we had TV, and then that was, like, Ed and Mike, and then we had television, and it was Ed and Mike and Jamal with boards, and then it kind of, Ed and Mike had a falling out, so it was like, we were kind of in limbo for a while, and then when Toy Machine started, I went with Ed, because I was tighter with Ed, Jamal went with Mike, and Ethan came shortly after, I think Ethan was a little bit behind me. Um, he didn't know what he wanted to do because he was he was close with Mike, so I think Ed realized that he needed more than himself, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. and I and I think the company formed in, you know, a couple of months before the Europe Circuit contests. So we needed to, you know, make the announcement, the company announcement, come out with an ad, and then have a few pros for the summer. So that's when. You know, he told, mm. I don't even, I don't even think we were asked. I think we were just told that we were going to have boards. And of course we were psyched, you know, for sure. Like, like I was, I think I was 18 and Ethan was three years younger than I was. He was 15. Damn. Damn. So, That's crazy. Yeah. And it was, um, but Ethan was skating like a man, you know, he was, yeah. he always had power and he, he did, you know, he did things very quickly and he did them right, you know, and he did them at high speed and if you missed it and you said, Hey, can you do that again? He'd do it again. You know, the same way (laughs) he was just like, he was very consistent and, um, very nice, you know? So, so for him at a young age, it wasn't, I don't think it was that weird. 
yeah. yeah he, he must have been he might have been 16 but i'm pretty sure i went pro when i was 18 and that's there wild. Was, there was three years between us i know that you guys shared a toy machine ad right was that the going pro ad um i don't know if that was the going pro ad i know it was the first ad and it were horrible video grabs <laughs> um those things were horrible it might have just been the introduction for the company uh, okay. um i don't think it said anything about us having boards but yeah we had we shared the first ad so obviously like a good run with toy machine epic times probably how did it end with toy we went on a tour and i was just over it i was you know i've i've touched on this in interviews before and I'm, i try to keep it positive but it was just the there was a lot of interpersonal stuff going on and i could have probably acted a little bit more responsible and mature and you know there were other people i think that would agree um we were all young and we were just you know i got along great with jamal and john mcgrath and uh this dude um joe nemeth that was on tour with us panama dan i got along really well with but things just weren't clicking with me and ed for a moment mm. and it was um sorry you know being on a tour a long tour where you're not happy or you're button heads with somebody is it can be tough you know so for sure i got pretty negative mid-tour jamal was there as well with me pretty negative we were kind of looking for things to get better and we didn't see them getting better so we i think we both left at the same time but Damn. you know hindsight being 2020 i was young and i was dumb and um, you know, probably could have handled it a little better and stayed on the team and probably, you know, I've said this before, I would have, I would have stayed on that team forever if I could, you know, if I could mm -hmm. go back, if I could go back and rewrite my history, I probably would, you know, make a different decision just because mm -hmm. I think the way that, the way that I chose to handle it was, it, it was immature. So, well, speaking of writing for them forever, it was pretty epic to see them do a re-release celebrating 30 years of toy machine uh how cool was that for you yeah it was rad like ed hit me up to do the the reissue like a few months ago and i was like we talk like periodically on instagram but we don't months will go by when i don't talk to him and when he hit me up to do that i was like you know he asked me if i would be into it and i was like dude i'm so into <laughs> this you know like, <laughs> like i think that's what i said i was like you know like i feel like it's kind of um for me personally it was always how it ended I was it kind of tainted it you know and it, mm -hmm. i kind of i told him it's kind of a, a way for me to i guess have some closure with how it how it yeah. ended but but then also put like a positive shine on it now you know in a way that's amazing so, yeah it was super cool i'm su i'm super like hyped for him that i mean it's it's insane like 30 years that's fucking crazy <laughs> yeah. yeah like it's but it makes sense i mean cause he's you know multi-talented like dude mm-hmm he's kind of created toy machine as this like extension of who he is and it's like he doesn't have to do much or anything on a skateboard but you look at that and you think about him and you think yeah. about his legacy and like and he like he could be nowhere in the ad skating yeah <laughs> and it's like he's that that's just like that's him and then but then yeah. you see his but then you see his paintings which are so different than toy machine and it's like that's him you know and it's like <laughs> then you see his photos and it's like that's him there's like just Hmm. there's so much going on with him that's that's rad so it's not really surprising that it lasted as long as it did but it's also like man you look around and it's like you know girls about to have their 30th 
and yeah. like it's crazy this it's a small it's a small group that he's mm-hmm. in you know super cool so definitely rad I think you made a joke on Instagram about the board being released in size 825. What was it originally sized at? 7.5. Damn. Those were the days. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. I had one. What's crazy, and this gave me also some little, like, a little bit of closure, because I had one of those boards, the original. I had the dog shooting board. My mom found it under her bed of all places. <laughs> right? So my mom's yeah. moving. My mom's moving out of California. And she's like, she texts me one day and she's like, hey, does this mean anything to you? Should I hold on to this? And I was like, absolutely. Yeah, hold on to it. Yeah. So it was like, she found a couple boards. The other ones I could give a shit about. But um, I got it back and I was like, man, this is amazing. But it's so small. But I, I loved having it. And mm-hmm. then, you know, a couple people hit me up about selling it. After I did, um, I did that Bob shirt interview and people wanted to buy it. And I kept saying no, kept saying no. And then finally I was like, I cracked and I sold it. Damn. And then Damn. right when I right when I sold it, like a month later, Ed hit me, Ed hit me up <laughs> to, oh. do the ex- to do the exact same graphic. But, um, That's dope. Not that it's an original, but it's like I've had a little yeah, bit of guilt. <laughs> you can have one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it's like that. I can't hang a dog shooting board on my wall. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, like you can put it fa- under the bed. Well, my father-in-law is going to come over and like, like, what is this? You know, like, yeah. or like something like that. So, you know, or my, my daughter's piano instructor is going to come over and there's going to be a, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's a, I guess it's a conversation piece. Right. But, um, yeah, I felt a little bit of guilt selling it, but then when he hit me up, I was like, Oh, I guess I get one back. The like board resale market is kind of crazy, huh? Yes. Yeah. Not crazy in yeah. a bad way. I don't want to offend anybody, but like, like, are, you're saying like original releases. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Like, there's yes. people are fanatics about that stuff, which is kind of dope. Yeah, I put one up and I made a lot of money, and it was something. It was a board that I was like, nobody's gonna give a shit about this, and mm-hmm. it meant nothing to me, like emotionally. I had no ties to it. It was a period in my life where I was like, yep, like whatever, you know, and I just. Yeah. It is, but it, you are you are right. It, people, some people, it really, really does something for them. But so, where did the road take you after Toy Machine? What was next? One day, I went down to Tamiado and I quit. There was a discussion about me maybe switching over to Foundation. I think I said, "Let me think about it" or whatever. And I had always skated with Josh Beagle and Heath Kirchard a lot, and um, Frank Harada too. You know, I was always kind of like, you know, I was bouncing around in different circles. I was, I could skate, I skated with a lot of people because I was always with Chris Ortiz. So I met a lot of people and me, Josh and Heath always got along well. So they were like, yeah, you should do this. So I, um, I got on foundation for about a month. And then I just couldn't shake whatever sour taste I had in my mouth over toy. And I just, Mm -hmm. I quit. I quit foundation and um, kind of didn't do anything for a little bit, which was fine. And then I ended up calling Planet Earth one day, just like randomly, and asking to speak to Miracle Mangum. And he sent me a box with no real, you know, I, I didn't know where that was going to go. And then that led to me meeting Felix and getting on, I guess I was on Planet Earth for a minute while they were like constructing rhythm mm-hmm. 
Mm. Um, so I was maybe on, you know, I was on payroll, but I didn't, I don't think I wrote, I didn't ride for planet earth, but it was like, I was in the building and I was, yeah, you know, there was a few people that were like that. It was like, you know, all of the rhythm squad was riding and wearing planet earth stuff. And then they were just kind of getting ready to launch rhythm. And then kind of, they, they were already at like, you know, the 11th hour. And then I just happened to come up and they kind of pulled me in. Nice. Yeah. And kind of, it was cool. Yeah. It, it worked out. And again, it was a camp. I didn't know any of those guys. So it was cool. It, it, it was kind of like what I wanted too. I wanted a fresh start, which is what me and Jamal wanted, you know, when things mm-hmm. went bad with Toy. So I felt like I got that and uh, it was good. That's what's up. These days, a trick that's become popular last few years, half cab nose grind revert. You dropped one about 17 years ago in your DNA part. Uh, these days, do you watch a lot of skateboarding and pick up on the tricks and trends that have been coming and going? Do you mean the one where it's like you break your back, like you go one way, then you go back the other? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I try to watch videos. Is like full lengths? No. I just, you know, no. I watched, I mean, I watched an Ocean Howl part yesterday <laughs> <laughs> that, I, that I really like. You know, I was thinking about a trick he did and I wanted to... I wanted to see if I remembered it correctly mm-hmm. and if it was still as, as good as I remember it being. So, yeah, I, but current, I mean, current stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'll mostly on Instagram or yeah. If something really comes, like if somebody puts out a part that I really like, mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to watch it, but I'm not, I'm not digesting everything that comes out because there's just so much. Yeah. It's too hard. But what about the young bucks coming up in the Boston scene? There's a, a hell of a, a crew they've got down there. Brianna Delaney, Dutchie, and then Dana and Zeb and all of them, and now the younger crew with like Brian and them, they're going absolutely crazy down there at Eggs, man. Yeah, Brian's nuts. <laughs> yeah, all all those kids are um are really good. It's awesome. So, where does your connection to Boston stem from? Like, what made you move up to Boston? So the first the first TV tour, me and Mike and Ed drove around the country for about a month and a half. And we picked up Jamal <clears throat> in this town called Whitman, which is mm-hmm. about 30 miles south of Boston. And, you know, we met him and it was cool. So we we picked him up. We, we had a demo in Whitman, Mass. And uh, that's where I met Jamal. And then Mike and Ed invited him on the tour. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. I got to go back to my I got to go back to my mom's house in Boston and ask her if I can go on tour. So we did that went back and uh you know parked outside his house he ran in his house had a quick conversation about his mom with his mom you know what i mean and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna drive around the country with these dudes (laughs) because he was like maybe you know my age or a year older i'm not sure so that was my first time coming to boston right Mm -hmm. was I, i associated jamal with boston and i love jamal right so it was like but then the next tour we went back to boston spent about you know maybe three or four days and it was fucking great and then i just kept coming back like like i had my friendship hey, two's back in town. with jamal hey to you back in town 2012. i also had a friendship with panama dan you know and it was just it was just a fun spot man so i was probably visiting boston maybe five summers in a row and i would just come out there and it was like the the pace was just 
it was it was really my speed it was like you know skate all day barbecue like it was it's just i didn't have the vibe that i had in boston and california so i just kept i just kept coming back it was like really cool that's so sick any classic mm-hmm. boston movies that that were also a part of that were you big fan of uh <laughs> mystic river and all that yeah i mean i like all those movies they're all good what's the what's the bank robbery one that bill simmons always talks the town? about yeah the town i just watched that on a flight the other day it was i was watching it next to my daughter i was like oh, oh no <laughs> i just rewatched that one too no they put classic. all these they well they put all these r-rated movies on flights you know yeah it's like what are you gonna do but yo what, what about sports though are you still like a fan of the la sports or have you cross-country uh no i saw you weren't you at the game on sunday yeah i was at the patriots game i was i was working though oh shit yeah that's fucking wicked yeah i get to um i get to do that every once in a while it's pretty it's pretty sweet hell yeah so wait are you still a fan of la teams or are you a boston sports fan these days i'll still i'll always be a dodger fan because that's that's the team that i went and saw when i was a kid i would live Mm -hmm. really close to dodger stadium and i would go to a game probably once a week and when i grew up and i and i wasn't at a game i was listening to a game you know at my grandfather's Mm -hmm. house or something it was just i was just surrounded by the la dodgers and then i kind of got into the lakers for a bit but then i kind of tuned out and then when i moved out here actually started watching a lot of celtics oh shit and i stopped and then more i went heavy red Sox. and then baseball kind of fizzled away and now I'm, i'll definitely watch celtics now. damn that's crazy yeah. you've got to be it's, that's yeah, like, our like one of the rare rare double-sided fans <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i i mean you whatever i mean if you're a Sox fan you're supposed to hate Derek jeter right like back in the day yeah. i could never i couldn't hate somebody that was that good <laughs> you know i could hate i could i could hate what he stood for and like the who he represented but it was like some guys are just unhateable i mean there's skaters he's like too that. good you know yeah. it's like fuck his sponsors or his clothes or it's like but it's like dude you can't deny like how good he is it's like yeah i, f- I feel like there's that weird you know there's that weird connection with sports too where it's mm-hmm. oh i'm so i'm supposed to you know if you're a yankees fan you're supposed to hate the mets you know what i mean it's like yeah yeah. <laughs> you pull up to the skate park and before you know it it's your worst nightmare that one homie who's kind of your homie kind of not your homie comes up to you and asks hey you mind filming this clip it'll only take a few tries a few tries turns into 10 tries 10 tries turns into 20 20 into 50 before you know it You're deleting recent attempts off your phone just to make room to film more. And then out of nowhere, somebody comes over and says, hey, you want me to take over filming for a little bit? That homie right there, that's CHPO, the worldwide leader in sunglasses and watches. CHPO brand, always doing it for the people. Jerry, can you give us a Jamal Williams story? from your days as teammates okay so yes i can um <laughs> the story that immediately comes to mind is i'm not going to tell you who the filmer is but jamal was we were on tour and jamal was like 
he kept skating up this rail backside and it was it was skinny it was steep it was probably i don't know it was big and the filmer was just standing there and i go i go hey i go he's gonna do this first try and he's not gonna do it again (laughs) you have to film him because i've seen him do it so many times where he's one of those dudes where it's like um the magic is the first time right Mm. so it's like i think for him to go back and try and like you know catch that lightning again even if it's something simple i think he has i think he has some some kind of ethics you know where it's like i'm not i'm gonna do this once and if i'm supposed to film it it'll get filmed you know there's a filmer there yeah why would you you know what i mean so it's like and I, I, I love that about him. So I was like, You're, he's going to do this first try. And, he, and he's not going to do it again for you. Did it first try. The guy didn't film it. No. Ugh. Asked him to do it again. He's like, nah. You know, like, and just yeah. like, he was over it. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, and then I continued to see it happen with the same filmer. Where I was like, man, just always keep your camera on. Yeah. You know? Like, I saw him one day do... I mean, it's not that difficult of a trick even back then, but it was like a very nice heel flip variable to manual, right? Mm-hmm. And it was first try and it was perfect. And it was, you know, him with his arms and like, you know, his whole, how he is that everybody mm-hmm. loves, right? It was perfect and, you know, didn't get filmed. And then it was the same thing. It was like, he's just going to do what he does, you know? Yeah. And then if it gets, if it gets, if it gets documented and it's not on purpose, I mean, maybe it is on purpose. Maybe he has a code, but it's like he's gonna do it regardless if you're gonna film it or not. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's why I always, I always just told people like, just always keep your camera on him. For sure. You know? I think Josh Stewart. I think Josh Stewart said something to that effect in an interview. I think it's like you just have to, you always have to, um, be pointing a camera at him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is like insane. Like, but um, if you want to capture the magic that he has you have to yeah it's it's just how he it's how he is and he's always been like that i love that it like builds the urban legend of a skater but then all these years later i'm like damn i wish i could have seen those clips you know yeah i wish we had more to look back on yeah he was a very he he would do things very quickly everything wasn't first try but it was like a lot of like the rail stuff was because he was so good at backside he would just he would do everything first try and uh yeah it was just he was he's great you know that's so dope so after riding for dna for a little bit you started to transition in life which led to your career now where was your head at at the time and what made you make the switch uh my my life was where my head my head where my head was at was like a quarter life crisis i didn't know what I wanted to do, I had gone to uh, EMT school while I was sponsored. Hmm. Just, I think because the girl I was dating at the time told me I had to do something. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like... A little pressure. Yeah. A little bit of pressure. And it was like, you know, the checks were getting smaller and smaller. And um, she was trying to help me, you know? And like, I think I did... I think I went to EMT school just to like you know maybe have something on the back burner after skating went away because it was kind of it was clear that it was coming so when dna ended i just 
you know, I think I, I think I filled out three application job applications like the next day. Damn. You know, and it was like towards the end, I was I was working, I was working a couple of jobs towards the end. Like Jamal had gotten me a job at um, this Adidas store that had opened. He had connections at Adidas. Um, he was living in Miami at the time, and he was like, you know, they're opening a store in Boston. I could put in a word for you. So I was like. I was already, like, I was skating, but I was also, like, you know, I was just fucking off a lot. I was hanging out with my friends and, you know, watching a lot of baseball. And I, I just wasn't, I knew DNA was on its way out, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was just, I don't know. And I was in my late 20s. I was, you know, 27, 28. And uh, I just, you know, when DNA was done, I filled out a couple of job applications, ended up getting a call back pretty quick, and then honestly like a week later i was working on an ambulance that's crazy it it happened it it happened pretty quickly and i remember being like you know i didn't have a lot of downtime but it was great because i kind of you know just like just like going from time machine to rhythm and having that clean slate and that you know i kind of needed that i needed everything to Mm -hmm. be brand new and so i like went from one profession to the complete other you know side of the world basically yeah and yeah just started working on an ambulance that was it that's dope man wow but but then hops came about so was that just a natural move for you how how did that go down i mean hops i mean i'm talking when was that i'm talking 2004 jamal didn't hit me up to do hops until like 2008 so i had a good i had like i wasn't skating at all man like like i had a skateboard but like my mind was kind of focused on the next chapter of my life, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was working as an EMT. I was, make, I was making more money, which is insane. I was making more money than a, you know, I'm holding my fingers up, quote unquote, professional athlete, but I'm making more money as an EMT. So I'm like, I have to, you know, focus on what's next. So I basically... I did, wasn't skating. I would like, you know, my dog would pull me around the block and that was, that was like how much I skated. (laughs) And then I was living in California and I started, you know, I, I moved to Newport beach. Randomly, there was a skate park right there. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get, this is, this is like, this is going to sound stupid or maybe not. I'm like, I'm going to get some half cabs because I love half cabs, right? Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to get I'm going to get some half cabs and I'm going to get a seven point like seven point six board. And I'm going to see how it feels because that was mm-hmm. like my board size and it just felt so good. And it's like that time that I took off my board, like it just kind of dawned on me how foolish it was. Hmm. And I just kind of started skating again and like. It was very humbling for a little bit because everything was hard, but then I kind of got over that hump and like I felt like myself again, you know. Mm-hmm. But again, now I'm like early thirties, which doesn't matter, right? But it's like I'm in my early thirties. I'm skating again, and it's like, but I'm still focused on, you know, being an EMT, transitioning to a paramedic. But on my off days, I'm skating. And I'm like, I'm enjoying myself. And I had been talking to Jamal. And I think when he's, 
when he heard me tell him that I was skating again, he came up to Boston once, and I think we skated for like a day, and then he just hit me up like pretty randomly. I wasn't expecting it, and asked me to be a part of that. Sick. And it was um, that's kind of how that happened because he was alone, you know, like he was. Mm-hmm. He he started it, and he was the only the only rider. And then he just hit me up, and I was like, "Yeah, dude, why not?" You know, like I was. Me and my my girlfriend, my wife now, like we we moved back to Boston, and again, I got a job working on an ambulance, same company I left before. And uh, when we moved to California, and uh, I just started skating the city more, and you know, my old friends were still here, and they still skated. That's awesome. So it was like, yeah, it was like kind of a very organic like. You know, I wasn't trying to be who I was. I felt like I kind of started skating again for the right reasons. And then organically, Jamal started a company and we just kind of came back together, you know? It was cool. For sure. Love that, man. It felt, That's awesome. It felt yeah. really good. It felt really good. Yeah, I mean, me and Donald mm-hmm. never had the pleasure of being pro skaters or making a living off skating, but I could only imagine everything that comes with that taking a break from it and then just like falling back in love with skating with no pressure kind of for for sponsors yeah. or anything that must be a good feeling yeah and i i loved like like i love the way certain tricks feel you know and like i love being able to do them and have them feel that way and like being able to go out and like be like oh i want to do this trick and i want to i want to feel that feeling again you know mm-hmm. and then you're a- you're able to recreate that feeling years later and it's like wow this still feels good you know like <laughs> yeah. and then so it kind of like it kind of gave me some juice you know and like i'm like wow i can i can still be that guy that works you know a full-time job and like for sure skate. and i'm just o- i'm just older and i didn't see anything wrong with it and my wife was like my wife was like i noticed such a change in you when you skate you know, she's like, you are, mm-hmm. it just affects you like so much, so much. You're such a different person when you're doing that and you have that outlet and it's physical and it's creative and like all that stuff, you know? So, just, yeah. so, so I just started, yeah, I just kept doing it and yeah. That's the best, cool. man. One of those tricks has to be your tray flip, man. One of the most iconic tray flips in the game. Too clean. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was like, when I, yeah, I mean, there was, there was, a bunch of things that I missed and but I it's weird I didn't know that I missed them you know yeah. until I kind of I I kind of put them away and like it was like a don't talk about it you know like mm-hmm. I wasn't really even talking about skating or even thinking about skating but then one day I was just like man I'm I think I'm gonna give this a shot again you know mm-hmm. I guess I was I was I was very close to it for years on purpose I did it to myself I think and then I was very open for whatever reason one day and i was like man i think i can do this again you know like i, well, I want to do this again i want to feel that feeling again mm-hmm. and uh so that's kind of what i did that's awesome man love that story can you tell us about the life-changing moment that was having your twins man uh yeah i mean it was like you know everything changed <laughs> it's like yeah. um it's you know, I was just saying this to a friend of mine. It's like, it's, and this isn't for just saying twins, but it's like when you have kids, it's like, it's like the best, hardest thing in the world. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's, uh, it's, it'll, it challenges you on every level. And it's, 
but it's also the best, you know. Mm-hmm. And you're ne- you're never gonna master being a parent. Um, you know, I've been doing it for ele- eleven years now, and it's crazy it's still tough, you know. But it's mm-hmm. great. It's like a it's it is truly the hardest best thing in the world. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, life didn't life didn't end, but it just changed. You know, it was it was a uh, definitely a game changer. For sure. So what's next for Jerry? What you got planned? Absolutely nothing. Uh, <laughs> I got nothing planned. What? I heard uh, you got a part coming, man. I don't. What? <laughs> Who told you that, Armin? Yeah. I've been filming a bunch of stuff, but it's like I film by myself. I go skate by myself so early in the morning. And <laughs> yeah, I've been filming a ton of stuff, and I've been showing Armin, and I've been super proud of the stuff I'm filming. Like I'm like psyched. And... uh or I was psyched. I was like, I was pretty, pretty motivated a few months ago and I was learning new things and it was, it was really cool. I was surprising myself, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. You got to let them put it out, man. The people want to see it. Hell yeah. Hopefully yeah, we get know. it one day. Armin said he'll put it out. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, I might just give it to him, but, uh, yeah, that's probably what'll happen. It'll pop up on Orchard one day. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. People need that. Yo, yo, yo. It's Rapid Fire with the Ghost. And this week, it's a pleasure to be brought to you by Spitfire Wheels. The one, the only, Nicole Haas has her first pro wheel dropping as we speak. A fully kitted pro formula four with two sizes and urethane colors we got the black 56 millimeters and natural 54s both on round edge radial shape for unmatched versatility in the bowl or the streets you know nicole's got both just look for those purple flames in the case at your local shop spitfire wheels baby you know the bunt burns nothing else Hey right, Jerry, you know what time it is. A little rapid fire, bruv. Let's get these shots popping. Right. Favorite skater. <laughs> it's gotta be Mark Gonzalez. Favorite video. That's tough, but I always come back to virtual reality. I just love I was at the premiere and I, I still remember how I felt during the video and after Sick. the video, so it kind of uh, has a lot of nostalgia for me. Classic thing. Favorite video part. Again, it uh, comes back to feeling, right? Um, guy in the Lakai video um, just because he was gone forever and he came back and obviously nobody can fill his shoes so seeing him come back after what he had been through and then be even better than he was before was super um, inspiring favorite style Kenny Anderson which skater had the biggest influence on the way you skate this is kind of a two-parter I was still, I'm, you know, I was still who I was. I was pro, but I kind of, I spent a weekend with Ricky Iola once, and that was really oh, my, yeah. like, that really opened my mind to a different, just type of skating. I got to see how he operated, and it was when they were filming uh, Underachievers, and I was, I was able to spend some time with him and see him do what he does in his work ethic, and it kind of. I don't want to say it rubbed off on me, but it kind of changed my outlook on my expectations of myself and like being more intentional with how I do things because he seemed like such a different type of 
like he was just such a different dude, like different type of professional mm-hmm. where he would, he would do things so many fucking times and he would watch every one of them. And if it felt good, but it didn't look good, he would do it again. And it was like, it was really just, it was so raw and, you know, I don't, I don't think I skate like Ricky, but I think he changed like my skate ethics in a way. Nice. Um, if that makes sense. Like I didn't yeah. change my trick, my trick selection or my style because of Ricky, but I think seeing him do what he does the way he does it, it, it just, it, it meant something to me. So he had a, he had a big influence. Nice. Most talented skateboarder on planet earth. You know, if you would have asked me that, I mean, all these people, I mean, I always want to say Tiago, but then I want to say Tyshawn and I want to say that dude, Antonio, like they're just amazing. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah um, for sure. if I had to say one, I'd, I get Tiago. Favorite trick. Um, no complies forever. Clean. 180 ones. I can't do them straight. Hardest trick for you. Frontside nollie heel flips. That's a no brainer. Never been able to do them. Oh. Most illegal trick. Nollie backside Dixmans. <laughs> Classic. Hate them. Favorite clip you've ever gotten? Like coming fakie at a bar, fakie frontside, like fakie, fakie all the way to fakie 5-0, but like crook on the other side of the bar, on the other side, and then fakie flip out. It was in the rhythm industry section, and I just really liked I liked the crew I was with. I liked where I was. I was in France. It was very like carefree and it was kind of like we found this super slippery round bar that was like if you locked into something you could just go forever and it, it just worked out in a couple tries and damn. It it was uh it came out good and we shot a photo sequence but the photo sequence I think Reda was too close so like the bar looked like a fucking full pipe. You know, it was just <laughs> all like contorted. Um but it just the the footage came out great and it just kind of i don't know i always liked it Hell yeah. it didn't take long you know and it just the first time i ever did it only time only time i ever did it so yeah it was cool rare one for a round proud of that one worst trend you've been a part of puffed out shoes the bad ones you know i have small feet i could do a seven and a half or an eight so if i put damn yeah and i'm short right so if i'm if i'm wearing jeans that are like baggy or pants that are baggy and I got small ass feet and I got big ass shoes. I just look ridiculous. <laughs> Gnarliest trick you've ever witnessed? Live would be guys switch back tail in Vancouver on the round rail. Sick. Damn. That wasn't a lot of tries for him. And I remember asking him if he'd done it before and he said he hadn't. And he just, he was so calm and nonchalant. And yeah, it was just, insane like we we were skating it um i think i was with caesar singh and rick J, and we were shooting photos with chris ortiz and then chris ortiz just happened to be there and get the shot and it ended up being that shot and, so um, sick yeah him and tim dowling just showed up and got it and left like it was nothing but he just kind of changed he just kind of changed the world real quick yeah and left you know so it was cibc rail and van is that what it is? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Way back. What's the one trick that got away? Um, also an easy one, because it haunts me. 360 flip, like go up a bank, 360 flip the frontside quicker grind, and then I would fall in fakie. Mm. And I almost got it. I grinded. I mean, I did some where I grinded really far, and 
I would come in and I would just wheel bite or I would shoot out. And um, it was at that bank to ledge in downtown LA at the jail, at the prison, like right across the street. Rick Howard skates it in Modus. He has nolly, nolly flip front nose on it. That one. Mm-hmm. Classic spot. Yeah, super, super good spot. And I, I just, I always, I wanted to go back and get it and I never could. I think I went back like three times and I just, I don't know, my, I needed the right, the right shoes and the right setup and the right head, you know, and I just never, Damn. never got it. It would have been so sick ahead of its time. That would have been epic. Yeah. What's the biggest bunt you've ever witnessed? That would be me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to follow my sword on this one. Like, it was like this mm-hmm. perfect handrail at this college in Riverside. And uh, I, you know, rallied a photographer and a filmer. I was going to kickflip frontside, tailside it, and I, I didn't even try it. I probably could have done it, but I just had a mental block, you know? But I just called it out, had everybody meet me there, and I fucking blew it, so. Damn. (laughs) What's the last new trick you learned? Well, I got into a debate. So you guys tell me, if you relearn something, does that count as learning something, or is that walking backwards? Yeah, I'll take that. I guess it would depend on how long. Yeah. So I relearned 360 flip. I learned three... 360 flip or relearned 360 flip manuals the other day and that felt really good but if it's like a new trick that i'd never done front side 5-0 to switch crook to pop over the other side like on a double-sided curb oh sick um that was good that they both they both felt good but like 360 flip manuals i could always do kind of like on not command but easy mm-hmm. and it was not easy to do that anymore <laughs> it took me yeah. no it probably took me like like 50 tries you know but I was happy um, to kind of get that one back. It was cool. For sure. Sometimes relearning a trick feels just as good as learning a new trick. Dream job after skating. Dream job after skating. I think I have it. Firefighter. I didn't plan it. I just kind of, you know, I did all the hard work to get me to where I am now, but I, uh, I think I have that job. That's what we like to hear. Favorite local brand. Uh, Orchard. They've been around for a long time. They help the community. They give back, like, the non-skate community and the skate community. And, yeah, they've always had my back, and they they do good things. So, definitely back them. Favorite local skater? If it's Boston, Jamal. Nice. Sick. And what about now? Any young, any young guys you're feeling? Yeah, I mean, I like Brian Reed a lot. He doesn't really seem like he has Killer. a ceiling. He can kind of no. do whatever he wants to do, which is crazy. Like, that's how I feel about, like, Tyshawn and Antonio mm-hmm. and Tiago. Like, just these guys can just do whatever the hell they want to do, and it's, it's wild. I mean, it's yeah. obviously hard work. It's hard work. I know it is, but it's like, they're like, I don't know. It's, it's amazing. What's the one sponsor you regret riding for? Yeah, uh, DNA for sure. I my, just because my heart wasn't in it, I I didn't know what to do. They offered me a good package, like a good salary, so I did it. And I I think I did some cool things while I was there, and I tried to I tried to improve things that they had going on at the time. I just I don't know. I always ask myself if maybe things would have been different. You know, I didn't make mm-hmm. enough money there to you know, change, change my life. I always wondered if I, 
mm-hmm. maybe had bowed out of skating earlier or you know stuck around in skating maybe something better would have come along i don't know but i just my heart wasn't there and i like to do you know i like to do what my heart tells me to do and that was sure. definitely me i think i did it out of desperation you know i all i had was converse dna came knocking they offered me a package you know basically everything i needed was out of that building so it was yeah it was an easy decision but it was also a decision that i wasn't i wasn't completely 100% on you know mhm for sure favorite teammate ever felix i think felix was like a friend a father and like a mentor the takeaways for me with felix why he's my answer is like to this day i still think about like hard lessons that he taught me like mhm it was like he gave me a lot of praise over the years and he helped me get a lot of sponsors and like he opened a lot of doors for me you know he helped me a lot in the industry but at the same time he would also he would tell me when my shit stunk you know and he <laughs> would he wouldn't he wouldn't sugarcoat it he'd be like bro like what are you what are you doing like why can't you just be quiet why you know why you got to say all this crazy shit like you just broke the room like be quiet like you know like he would say stuff like that and he wasn't wrong you know but like he mm-hmm. was really that kind of voice of like you're fucking up and like the the love like the positive was always there with Felix but that was the father piece you know it was the like mm-hmm. you're fucking up you're fucking up and like he wasn't wrong and you know it 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 helped me and um but he was also like he was very generous like he was um you know everything you would want in you know a teammate and like you know he was like our brand manager you know like he was the dude fucking gave me his car keys and the keys of his house once for like a week and i was like blown away you know like i was like mm-hmm. i remember saying to him like you really want to trust me this much and he basically told me like bro you, you get everything until you fuck me then you get nothing you know <laughs> that's how he was he's just yeah he was so like black and white and uh supportive and but also you know he would he would hold me accountable which is what i what i needed so long answer to that question but felix i think it's felix for sure worst teammate ever okay so he's canadian you guys might know him he's way he's like older generation though he's like my age toronto i think i think he's from toronto mike caracas yeah, not know. sound familiar so dude we we tv like sponsored this kid mike caracas from toronto from a sponsor me tape and we picked him up what was the name of that big ass skate park back in the day rudy's it was here yeah i think it was in 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 toronto mm. M- maybe i'm wrong know. we picked him up at some we nobody fucking met this kid and we picked him up in the middle of a tour and it was basically like nice to meet you let's drive around the country together and it's crazy he he was like a super rad skater but it was like my first exposed like first time being exposed to like somebody cooking it on tour you know <laughs> and we basically just had to drive around the country with this kid that was like complaining the whole time but he was like a super oh, good jesus he was like a super good skater and i was like 17 and he was like 17 and i remember like at at one point he was like complaining so much and it was like his it, it was i think it was just his personality it was like kind of cranky but um he was like complaining about something and like he said at one point i want to go home and mike and mike Vallely was like if you swim across that fucking that water we were in this big ass mall with this like huge fountain he's like mike was like if you swim across that fountain i'll buy you a train ticket and the kid fucking <laughs> the kid jumped 
the kid jumped in this fucking fountain in this mall and swam all the way across it fully clothed and mike got him a train ticket home it was in like I think, it, I think it was like i think it was in like st louis or something but we were like this i remember afterwards mike was like mike had mike said something to me like he's like i'm not trying to compliment myself he goes but this is quite an opportunity for you to like go on tour with like ed and myself you know i was like absolutely and of I, course I just, it is. I just don't think that kid got got that piece. Yeah. And yeah. we basically picked him up and like, you know, he went on half the tour and like he just kind of kind of blew up for himself. But that's yeah. fucking epic. That would be like the hardest. V. That would be the hardest uh, teammate relationship I've ever had. That's crazy. Sure. We hear a lot of like the the good sides of like the sponsor me tape days and like not knowing anyone and get thrown in a van and all of a sudden you have this awesome career. But I guess that's the downside of not getting to know someone before and just going off the tape. Absolutely. I mean, there's kids. There's kids like you can you can have a kook in the van, dude. I met. I think I met Bebo when he was like 14, right? Mm-hmm. Like that kid was like the easiest fucking kid to hang out with. That's sick. He was fuck. You know what I mean? He was like respectful. He would shake your hand. He would look you in the eye. He wouldn't say dumb shit. He would. He was like one of the guys, like right off the bat, you know. But he was like this little kid, and uh, and then you meet other kids that have no. I mean, I'm not the best person like socially, but like they just have no fucking etiquette, you know. And all right. of a sudden, mm-hmm. you're in you're in a van with these kids on tour, and it's like it just doesn't work out. Worst style. I mean, you know, you know what would bother me back in the day is when people would skate too slow. I remember. I mean, this is gonna sound. I mean, saying anybody's name right now is horrible, right? It's like a dick thing. <laughs> But I remember that kid, Lee Peterson, bothering me because he skated pretty damn slow. But I didn't dislike him. I didn't look at him and think he's whack, but I'm just like, oh, he's kind of hard for me to watch, you know, because he skates so slow. But Mm -hmm. he was a fucking cool, he was a cool kid. So just, I mean, I can't, I can't not feel that way though. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it was just... (laughs) It was just like, I just, it was, he, people who skate slow are hard for me to watch. And uh, he was for one sure. of those people. But like I said, I met, I met him when he was very young, when he was on 101 and like really good skater. But I just, it was pe- people in general that skate slow are hard for me to watch. Yeah, for sure. Last person you want on the sesh? R- Ronson Lambert would scare the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> He would wax the fuck out of a curb oh, or a ledge, shit. even a rail. Sure. I, saw, I saw him wax a rail once, like just on the side, like, and what was funny, he, he like, he gave the, he gave the rail a little, a little love, like a little bit of wax. And then he back 50 it like first try. And it was like a, you know, it was like a really, it was like a 12 stair rail. I think he was worried oh. about, I think he was worried about sticking. Cause it was like a fat, it was like the Vancouver rail, like fat, mm-hmm. okay, but like yeah. he would, he would sometimes i wish she wasn't there just because (laughs) he and i always and this goes back to skating slow right like just take one more fucking push your trick's gonna look better and you're not Mm -hmm. gonna need the wax just take one more push everybody wins like it cancels out the need for wax and your trick looks better so but he would like (laughs) this sounds horrible i i not saying i don't want him on the set because i love that kid but we would both be skating and it's like one try he would fucking you know slide 10 feet and then the next try 
he would stick and he's like oh it's, it's got to be the ledge it's like no dude it's you like there's so much fucking wax <laughs> on the ledge like even if the wax isn't on the ledge it's on your fucking board and your board's gonna be put on the ledge you don't need to fucking wax it you don't need to wax your board every fucking try because mm-hmm. now i'm gonna die you know yeah. like it's just yeah. i don't know but that that's that's an everyday like i just don't like a lot of wax and he always waxes i think that's shit. a very generational thing man our generation is very pro wax well he was he was a very technical skater too and he was a very he was a very good skateboarder like he mm-hmm. yeah he, he was had, gifted for sure he was so fucking hard on himself it drove me nuts he he yeah. was so fucking good and i sometimes i just wanted him to get out of that just, you know what i mean like dude don't yeah. don't fucking wax it so much <laughs> yeah i feel drove me insane drove me insane all right jerry that's gonna wrap up our interview man can't thank you enough for coming on the pod absolute legend and uh we'll keep in touch man you've got mail welcome back to the post office ghost who we got up first big week in the post office sparking it off with little beanbag so everyone knows about steve barra using his fake or manufactured spots in the dvs video and he gets a ton of heat for it how come nobody mentions that jim greco in baker 3 skates a lot of the same fake barra spots fuck man i think this one is just a case of the low-hanging fruit and People like to roast on Barra a little bit, man. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Jim Greco gets roasted a fair amount, whether it's for the spots or just other Greco tings. So I don't think it's like... I, don't, don't you think both those guys get uh, clowned their fair share? Yeah, they've definitely become almost equals. Well, maybe not equals, but Greco gets his fair share as well, just like you said. What was that yeah, like full like, love- movie he made? Like that thing got absolutely roasted. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, for me, it's not close as far as like my fandom. Greco is well; they're both legends. But uh, love me some Jim Greco. Baker two G, Nolly backside flip, Wilshire ten. Yeah, it's insane. All time, insane. All right, next up we've got an email from Alex Reyes. Sup, you sick-ass buttholes. I've been listening to every episode from the get. Don't know how or why I stepped into something so beautiful, but I'm so happy to have stumbled upon your nonsense. I really suck at skating. Tray flip down to three is my pride. That being said, I'm a baller, and I'm kind of peeved at y'all's brags. I saw the highlights and don't know, bump boys. I understand Dono, but Seifa, you are not good. Do you really claim basketball skill? Maybe because you're Canadian it could possibly pass. That b-ball showdown was an unreal display of no-nothing nonsense. I ought to train you legends. Seifa, when you're back in LA, challenge me to a game of one-on-one. Winner gets due dinner. Oh, this guy's trying to take you on a date. And maybe a job as an assistant audio engineer. And also gets me in on some skate sessions. I'll film pimps. Be good, boys, and keep on keeping on. Life's a garden. Dig it. LeBron sucks dick, by the way. Alex Reyes. 2004 AAU three-point champion. 
That was a mouthful, man. Someone's fucking tooting their own horn over there. Bro, I was like not zoning out. I was like just trying to fiddle around on my computer looking for something. And then I I wasn't fully listening. And then I just heard uh, myself get called out in terms of basketball. And then I tuned back in. Yo, Alex Reyes, man. Who the fuck do you think you is, first of all? Second of all... Bro, people just they want to be in the three on three and they'll they'll poke the bear, but it it just ain't an open invite to random ass motherfuckers, you know what I'm saying? So even he's like hating, but then he's like trying to suck up a little bit, saying LeBron sucks, blah blah blah. Like if that if that's his scouting, I suck and LeBron sucks, then even though I'm not a LeBron fan, I'll take it, man. Who does this guy think he is? Let's just go through the ups and downs of this email. First, he loves us for doing the pod. Second, he's putting himself down for his skating. And then he's hating at us for bragging. And then he's coming at you for not being good. And then he's saying, maybe it's because we're Canadian. And then he's challenging you to a game. And then he wants to go out for dinner with you. And then he wants to work at the bunt. And then he wants to come skate with the bunt. And then LeBron sucks. Alex, man, you got a lot of shit to sort out. Uh, I don't think a game with safe is going to help you. That could uh, maybe put you in an even worse position. But uh, we are looking for an intern over here at the Bunt. Someone with some serious social media prowess. Accepting all emails and uh, resumes right now. TheBuntLive at gmail.com. Looking for an intern. Let's make it happen. Alex Reyes, maybe it could be you. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I think this is a classic case of when you're in, like, grade three and you have a crush on a girl. Oh! So you, you make fun of them because you don't know how else to get their attention. <clears throat> Just coming out of our ball skills. But this is classic. Like, me and you obviously love skating. Been skaters for most of our lives now. And this dude peaked at three flip down a three stair, man. So... Maybe basketball was his main thing. Skating was our main thing. We're skateboarders that play basketball. If you're a basketball that skates a little bit, then then it makes sense that you're some champion. Although, I'd love to see his highlights, actually, because anyone can hide behind an email. Alex Reyes. Let's see some fucking, uh, let's see some highlights, bro. Yeah. You get me. And remember how old we are, man. When I was, when I was young and spry, I was flying around the court, dunking on, man. Now I'm fucking old and slow, but still get her done. Late in his career, Paul Pierce styles, man. Dude, one more point to make. Alex is pointing out a, an award he won in 2004, 19 years ago. <laughs> we, we, we won a three on three tournament two summers in a row. Uh, current date so you might be living in the past a little bit Alex but uh, thanks for the email despite the hate we can sense that you're actually a fan so we fuck with you fun holes baby alright next up we got an email from Richard Friend what's good Bunt Gang stoked you guys are back listen to Ep1 with the discussion around the Bunt Jam 3 Pete. how shook or stoked would you be if your boy Justin Henry showed up with his New Balance teammates, Kawhi Leonard and 6'2", the boss, Reynolds. Would you just give Kawhi the W as a thank you for the Raptors championship? All jokes. I uh, love y'all, and I'm so happy to see all of your success and awesome things you're doing. Well-deserved from Mr. Friend. 
That's a fun little email, Richard. Thanks for writing in. Still. I guess it's a, a hypothetical that's never going to happen. But if Kawhi pulled up to the Bun Jam and Reynolds, I don't know who I'd be more excited for, man. Probably Reynolds, but it would be sick. Well, fans are kind of divide, divided in Toronto about Kawhi. Me and Donald fall in the camp of thanks for stopping by. We'll never forget you. You're a legend for life. But there's people that are mad he left. But those people, I, th- I think, are silly because there was no championship in sight for the Raptors until he came. But Reynolds, pull up next summer. We need you. Justin Henry, pull up, bruv. I know you want your revenge. Your Vans teammates were pure trash two years ago. Um, pull up with a real squad. We'll, we'll make it happen. That would be something else. We need Justin Henry back in the tournament, man. And then had Johnny Purcell on his team. Like, are you fucking kidding me? There's something else. All right, next up, we've got an email from Gus McLeod. Yo, Bunt, since my girlfriend left me, I listen to the podcast when I go to sleep and sometimes have dreams we are homies and kicking it. Stay dope, Gus. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. Gus, sorry about your girlfriend, but you can always count on us, bro. Yeah, we got you, brother. That's that's a bummer. And uh, even though we don't know each other in real life, I feel like I'm friends with some of my favorite podcasters. So keep the dream alive, bro. Maybe we'll uh, we'll hang one of these days and sip a beamer. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got an email from Corey Hirsch. Oh, sorry, a voice note. Let's take a listen. Hey, Seva and Dono and Antoine behind the scenes. Um, question. So, since you guys are of fame, so to speak, you're a famous person, people in my mind. Um, if a fan, let's say, uh, how do I describe this? Like, you know, maybe talks too much or feels like they're bothering you. Is there any coming back from that? Or are they just cooped forever? Not that I've done that to y'all, but I know in my lifetime, um, I've ran into a someone who I see is famous and normally I don't approach him because I don't want to have like a bad interaction with him because you know you really like that person or a huge fan of them but um I I have I've been out sometimes to be drinking and smoking and come across someone and you, I feel like sometimes I might talk too much or bother them and you know don't want to don't want to be that guy to them but I don't know. What uh, What do you say? You get, y'all get are some famous people now. And number two, uh, have you ever had that happen where you felt like you blew it trying to be a fan to somebody? And uh, yeah, it's just like, damn, I, I really wish I just didn't even say anything to them. Anyways, much love. Love the pod. Uh, thank you guys for everything you do. Peace. Great question, Corey. I feel like both of us have been on uh, both sides of this. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. my fandom for professional athletes sometimes in the moment gets a little carried away. I'll shout at them in public or embarrass myself and so- sometimes embarrass them as well. And obviously, that's not a good place to be. But for some people, it's uncontrollable, man. Like, my brain, like, I lose control and my mouth just takes over. Um, yeah, it's funny. Me and Donna were actually talking about this the other day. He got an opportunity to go to a party with like the Maple Leafs. 
and said that yeah he doesn't think he's gonna go and i was like yeah i feel you like at our age we're probably older than most of the guys on these pro teams we're fans of and no one's looking to make a friend you know what i mean <laughs> like there's no there's no pro athlete that's gonna meet a 35 36 year old guy and in those two minutes that they might talk be like you know what let me grab your number like let's hang out i feel like we're past that age of like just wanting to meet people it's like i'm perfectly comfortable just sitting on my couch being a fan i don't need to meet so and so but that said like if i bumped into like jalen rose or david jacoby who i listened to countless hours of their podcast over the last like 10 years i would i would love to just give a quick one too like yo what's up thanks for fucking the countless hours of entertainment when i'm bored at work type shit but yeah there's definitely a line and i'm happy to say it's never been crossed with me any bun holes or bunt gang i've ever met it always puts a smile on my face and i really really appreciate it like that never, it's not like we're like you said what did you, did you say we're famous like he, he did we're not that. famous <laughs> we're not famous at all so when when we do happen to meet people that listen to the pod it's always like super humbling and and a great interaction there's only one time where it went too far <laughs> i forget the homie's name and it is only because he was so drunk at city pool oh my god but i'll leave I'll, I'll leave his name out of it anyways revigs your boy i forget his name but he's a super nice guy but he was just drunk and like came up to me every every like four minutes and then like started talking to me about the pod again and then he'd be like oh sorry sorry i'm drunk uh, i'm done and then he'd disappear and then come back again i'm like god damn bro you're actually kind of blowing it but that was a one-time thing and i've seen him since and he's super chill it was just yeah he's fucking epic. a drunken slip up yeah. yeah yeah i guess that is the the one instance like i think if i would meet someone like that now i would be more thankful like the way you would be for Jalen Rose and David Jacoby, as opposed to like full fandom, desperate for friendship. <laughs> I just can't do it. I just can't go to that party, man. I just can't. Yeah, like what are you gonna say to like a twenty-five? I'll year just stand there NHL with my player. one homie, and everyone else is there with their girlfriends and all their friends, and I just, I would just, I'm excited and I'm like thankful for the opportunity. But in that circumstance, like me entering a private party, it's just not going to work for me, you know? We're just not on like equal <laughs> like playing ground or playing field. Yeah, it's got to be like a friend of a friend situation. It can't be like you just showing up. No, it would know, be yeah, a friend of like a friend situation. But then I feel like I would be putting too I know, much I know, pressure I know. on my friend to hang out with me when he could just be like yeah have the no exact time because he's yeah. boys with everyone i don't i would just yeah sorry i meant i meant yeah i meant more like a friend of like a very close friend in like a less exactly. intimidating setting like one player or two players where it's not like you're just i don't know i i don't think i could do that either like if someone was like you can go hang out with the raptors and i barely knew the connect i'd be like uh no thanks but thank you Agreed. Great question though, Corey. I like that, man. Had us thinking. Yeah. Wait, did we ever did we ever blow it? You said you Yeah, I mean I've told this before. Like I was traveling from where was it? Uh I was traveling from Paris to Milan and I saw Brandon Marshall in the airport years ago. Former uh wide receiver in the NFL. And I just screamed at the top of my lungs and my girl 
was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, actually, I have no idea. And I remember he looked at me and he's like, dude, you got to chill. Like, you got to chill. And I was like, I don't know. I think I'd been in Europe for like two weeks at that time. Had another week and a half, like just pure Euro vacation, probably coming down from the bender of sin and just not like polite or airport etiquette at all. I was just on a rampage, probably sweating in the airport, (laughs) hyped to go to Italy. Just saw him like checking his bags and started screaming his name. Full of regret. Uh, Although I saw Spike Jones, or no, I saw Spike Lee in the airport one time and he he cool guided me so hard. Uh, Goes both ways, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, you have one? I'm trying to think, man. Honestly, I feel like I think we might have said this before too. Like just having met so many of our favorite skaters from growing up through the pod, it's like you kind of—I don't want to say you get desensitized. It's still super cool, but it just makes you like chill more. Can't be like, oh my god, yeah. like thanks for answering our Zoom call. Yeah. You know, you can slip in your little fan fan like through the interview by just appreciating like what they've done but i feel like that's just made it more chill for like for all types of people and then when my sister brought me to wear a red carpet thing a couple years ago there's all types of actors around i'm like i can't i can't embarrass my sister and kook myself just gotta just gotta chill man next up we've got an email from nick anscombe would you rather see an easy trick on a hard obstacle or a hard trick on an easy obstacle? I prefer seeing a well-executed, relatively easy trick on a hard-to-skate obstacle, i.e. Tom Knox's recent cover, than some insane ledge combo on the perfect ledges at Makba. I see what you're saying here. I might, I might agree, man. Um... Yeah, there's definitely like, I don't know, actually, whatever, if it looks good and it's easy, that's usually just easier on the eye. There's nothing worse than like overly tech that looks like shit. All right, well, he's saying more about the obstacle, so makes it kind of weirder. But yeah, for the most part, man, them picks the Ollie of of pain. (laughs) Uh, It was sick. Like he's like humping the wall through there. Uh, Tom Knox, come on the pod and um, give us the the behind the scenes, man. All right, last up for this week, we got an email from Philip Richer. Yo, Bunk Crew, would you say who would you say is the Tony Soprano of skateboarding? Is it Andrew Reynolds because he's the boss and had to make hard decisions, like when he cut four pros from the roster, or is it Mike Carroll keeping the books of girls skateboards? closed majority of the time um in the words of tony soprano all due respect you got no fucking idea what it's like to be number one every decision you make affects every facet of every fucking thing it's too much to deal with almost and in the and in the end you're completely alone with it all what do you guys think peace that's fucking epic good question tying two of our favorite things together Tony Soprano and skateboarding. But I might have to go off the board here a little bit. And I might mm. say that it's Jason Dill. Oh, shit. Kind of like lays low behind the scenes, 
doesn't do too much dirty work. He's out the streets, not really skating anymore, but you know he's uh, he's making things happen behind the scenes, and he's calling a lot of big shots, so oh, I think I'll go with okay. Dill. You're saying present day Dill. I was like... I was like laying low behind the scenes. No, no, like present day, present full day. Back. <laughs> no. He used to be like yeah. going buck on camera all the time. Um, that was when he was a wise guy. Now he's the boss. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Fuck, it's hard to not go with the boss, Reynolds. I'm trying to think of another one, though. Cause you've got Dill in my head now. I'm thinking Abe too. I feel like he's the boss man of pain, even more low key than Dill. And I've just feel like we've heard stories of him like calling major shots behind the, the scenes of like, of course, they'll get a rider on FA or hockey, and then he'll like like force shoe brands to like give them the check. You know what I'm saying? Just making boss moves. Yeah, Abe. And Andrew Reynolds, I like, I like Andrew Reynolds though. Yeah, it's the best because his name's the boss and he's been doing it forever. And he's also the boss on the board still, so you can't go wrong with Reynolds. Yeah, Tony was still whacking dudes up until the end, man. Yeah, he was a little. Reynolds still with it. getting hammers. That's true in the field, man. All right, y'all, that's going to wrap up the post office for this week. Get your emails and voice notes into thebuntlive at gmail.com. This is the rundown, the skateboard world source for sports. Ghost, something that's been getting worse and worse and worse in the media. Former athletes turned reporters calling out current athletes and we saw it again on Thursday Night Football with Steve Smith absolutely going for the jugular on Jerry Judy man another couple athletes just to uh, off the top of my head Dak getting absolutely roasted left right and center and then obviously Zach Wilson is an easy target as well but what do you think about these former athletes going at current athletes potentially fucking up the money bro um, I mean, yeah, if, if you're fucking up the money, I, I don't support it, but I feel like he was doing his job for the most part, but then it got personal, and then I think he went too far on television. I think he just got, like, Jerry Judy had just roasted him when he went up to apologize him. Like, man, it was just way too personal and way too emotional, like, that story. I was yep. like, dude, like, why are you saying this on air? Like, settle it with Jerry Judy behind the scenes. And if he doesn't fuck with you because you talk shit on him, then you got to be able to accept that too. Yeah. So as much as, like, even if his criticism was accurate, like, Jerry Judy doesn't want to hear that shit. So when you go, the worst is that he's like, yeah, like, I, I went to go apologize to him. And he said, I don't fuck with you, ninja. It's like, he has every right to feel that way. Cause you call him just a guy like i think jerry judy's more than just a guy and and he's definitely got an ego and like you know he was a first round pick and shit like he's just been dealt a shitty qb hand and maybe he's not playing his hardest right now because denver sucks balls but 
yeah i, I thought it was, it was like kind of entertaining but also kind of cringe man i was like i think it just happened way too he didn't have enough time to like sit on it and think i think he just it probably just happened before they went on air and he was just like venting on tv which is never a good thing the thing is that like that's his job that's steve smith's job so like you said it's one thing for him to call him out and it's well within jerry judy's rights to have his own reaction to that like i don't like it when people call me out that don't know me either so if i'm gonna be like fuck you then it's fuck you it doesn't matter like they don't have yeah. to like each other the worst is when the reporter continues on like i don't understand why he doesn't like me it's pretty goddamn clear why he doesn't like <laughs> like what more do you need to see and the crazy part was that steve smith was a guy that took a lot of heat in his playing time too so he should get that for him to like be coming at young wide receivers who like you said have had a rough start to their career and like jerry judy has been just a guy like he's his stats are pretty much identical to chase claypool and chase claypool is getting roasted left right and center he's coming up on his third team now like these are mm -hmm. just facts but nobody likes to hear it so if the guy's upset about it then he's upset about it same thing with yeah. dak dak is getting absolutely killed left right and center and you know dak's had great years he's like he's shown the ability to do what he can do zach wilson 100%. on the other hand he has not you know so he gets a lot of criticism and it's a lot of wait and see wait and see he's worthy of the criticism when a guy you know like Dak who's going through a down year is maybe not doing the best passing like maybe it's the scheme the team is coming up with maybe it's the game plan like there's a lot going into it but guys ultimately have the right to hate a guy who talks shit about him it's just that fucking simple man like people hate us because we've talked shit about them in the past and yeah, are we sure. upset about it we're like no we deserve it if 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 you want to take those feelings to heart then take them to heart bro I got no ill will against you for hating me go right ahead a hundred percent it's like uh one of the long long-standing beefs charles barkley and kevin durant and it's just funny because like barkley just keeps it going because he says like he's just doing his job which is true but then kd has every right to clap back so it just keeps going keeps going because inevitably barkley is going to be asked another question because it's part of his job about kevin durant and then He's going to answer it truthfully because that's what he always does. And then Kevin Durant has every right to, to say fuck Barkley. And it's just been like a vicious cycle for like three years now. It feels like maybe longer. Um, but th yeah, this is a little different because Barkley doesn't go crying on TV about, oh, KD, KD said this about me. Like Steve Smith, that was just, that was just weird. That was personal. It feels like there's something more to that, like. Steve yeah, Smith I also just take feel it that a guy came and said something back to him. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I I feel a little bad for Judy too because like, bro, he, he said don't trade for him. Shit. That is too. I know far. that's crazy. That's crazy, bro. Like, criticize he, he his took play it way too far and criticize yeah. his off-field behavior if he's an issue. To literally go out there and be like, do not trade for him. It's like, bro, you're in your feelings now. Hundred <laughs> percent. You're you're the one that's wrong. Like, it's just that simple. And he's yeah. saying pe and teams are calling him to ask him. Like, I don't even know if that's true. That seemed a little far-fetched. But if that's the case, bro. I think people were speculating it was the Panthers because he used to play for them. And, like, I've seen now that this happened, there's been, like, other clips circulating of, like, Steve Smith saying, like, Cooper Cup was his wide receiver one coming out of that draft over 
Juju and all the other bigger names. And it's like, oh, Steve Smith's such a genius. Like, that's why teams are calling him. But right now, you can't trust his judgment. It got too personal. Very personal. But I just feel bad for Judy because we know he came in with a high pedigree. And then look at who he's had to, like, the QBs he's had since he came into the league. And he gets injured a lot. But, like, we all remember last year, he was fucking tearing it up. To, to close out the year last year so we he do, i think like healthy and on a good team and motivated he's more than just a guy but we he, he needs to prove it again yeah so we don't know that for sure we yeah it's yeah. funny because when that all went down people were on twitter like oh this is the game jerry judy goes off and i think he had like 14 yards so i think i could have got 14 yards <laughs> you know that's the most classic armchair athlete quote ever <laughs> what i think i could have yeah oh, it, it's only accurate it's only accurate when it's a zero but <laughs> there's no way if a you don't think i could get 14 to... yards if i lined hell up no. for a whole game hell Jerry judy's probably no. in on like 100 percent of snaps bro all i need is one good slant route court and someone oh. sets the pick for me oh i'm in i might get my head knocked off after the catch but yeah, and fumble, and then the no way I'm fumbling. Count. Come on, <laughs> bro. I used to be one of those. Like, okay, there's there's si- different situations, right? You got to be realistic with it. Where if you were in the game, because I'm I used to be someone who was like, man, I could get a couple buckets in the NBA. But if if you just actually showed up and the other team was like, here's a guy who just came off the street. Just you a would guy. get negative yards. Like you would get annihilated. Same thing if if a ran if I was in an NBA game and they're like, oh, there's the fucking scrub. Like, cause we always picture it like, yo, if I was wide open and like they're they're triple teaming Cortland Sutton for some reason, like, yo, I'll get you 14 yards. Or I'm like, if I had a wide open three, I'll hit that bitch, you know. But it, it ain't gonna be like that if we show up, man, because they're gonna key in on you and be like, let's erase the scrub. No, and, I'm getting open. Oh my Travis, God. Travis Kelsey style. Oh. Just find a little opening somewhere. Find that soft Jesus area. Jesus Christ. Can, yo, anyone, anyone who's this. still listening? If I was pod? on the Broncos as a wide receiver and we played the. Who's the worst team out there besides the Broncos? The Bears. I could get 14 yards against the Bears. Jesus Believe Christ. that. Tell me who the fucking. Who the corners are on the Bears and the safeties that are going to shut someone who who knows football who's listening right now? Can you email in and just put Dono in his place? Like he's I didn't know he was still on delusional hours over here, man. Yo, back to the topic though. Uh, it happens in every league. Like there's a reporter who goes at Austin Matthews and has been hypercritical of Austin Matthews, and then even like reported when they weren't supposed to that he had covid back in the day like just a guy who gets way too personal man mm-hmm. and he's the same way austin matthews will be like dude i don't want to answer your questions and he's like it's still a huge thing about why he doesn't answer. it's fucking obvious dude you're a dick just leave him alone just don't ask him questions bro. he doesn't want to talk to you 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 had your chance man but anyways let's move over to the nba real quick man last week we talked about all the best big threes in the league, right? In the association. Who was the best big three? Um, let's talk about the Raptors for a second. And clearly, we lost Fred. Um, I think as the years and seasons go by, we're going to continue to lose more of not our superstars, but our top-tier players. 
such as OG, probably Pascal this year. OG should have been gone already. Um, mm -hmm. We lost Fred for nothing, which is catastrophic failure, man. This is what causes rebuilds to last longer than they have to, is when you get nothing for your for your top-end players. So why didn't we just trade Fred at the deadline if we were going to lose him? And who's next to go, man? Like, why didn't we trade OG when everybody in the league seemingly wanted OG at the deadline too? Like, what is the deal with Masai's unwillingness to give up on the current roster and trade away these big pieces and start fresh? I don't know, man. It's because we won the championship. It feels starting to feel like a long time ago, like four years ago now. Um, there's the in Maasai we trust has just been a thing in Toronto for a minute. And I've always stood by that. But yeah, the, the more time that goes by and the like, we've just been getting progressively worse each season since winning it. And there's no, there's no like clear path toward like towards greatness. So I have no idea, man. I, I heard crazy I heard that like OG was like people were offering like three firsts. I don't know if that's been confirmed. How do you not which is, like yeah, we're not I winning know, with man. this team, bro? Fred Van Vliet signed a three-year, hundred and almost thirty million dollar contract. You're telling me not one team at the deadline would have loved to have him? Imagine you put Fred Van Vliet on the Miami Heat, for instance. Would have been a way better finals. I'm sure there are all, yeah. all sorts of teams who would love to have I Fred. heard the Clippers were looking into him. Like, Bro, and now we have Siakam on a four-year, $137 million contract. We don't need Pascal Siakam right now. We don't need any of them, to be honest. We're going to struggle to get to the play-in, obviously. Like, who's our, our point guard is Dennis Schroeder. God love him. Played great in the World Cup or whatever the hell that was. But <laughs> we're not a winning team, man. Just trade these fucking guys. Like, it's so ridiculous. Like, look at the young stockpile of talent that they have coming up in OKC. And it's because they traded anybody and their mothers. Like, that's what we need to do. And Masai's fumbling the, the bag. That's been the quickest rebuild, too. Like, I, I've got them as a playoff team this year. And they made the playoffs that Chris Paul year. So that was 2020. And now we're going into the 23-24 season. And they're already like a beast team again. Oh. And that was from like assaulting the Clippers in that Paul George trade for the most part. Getting Shea and a bunch of picks. Yeah. But the, the yeah, thing is, like, I think yo, it's time, man. And we we're always gonna love these Raptors. No one's gonna be like butthurt that we lose like, Pascal or any of these guys. Like we're so thankful, and they'll always be loved. But it's time, it's time to blow it up. They're I'm immortalized sorry. in Toronto sports history. The two of them, yeah. or sorry, all of them. Like we will never forget any of them forever grateful but if we want to have some sort of competitive future and also not hold them down like remember there was rumors of when we were going after kd but he wouldn't part with scotty barnes like who the fuck cares about scotty barnes if kd's coming like i know what are we talking about scotty same thing with dude, dame he's they're not willing to give anyone up for dame like that's the only way and he proved I didn't it want when we Dame. got Kawhi. I didn't want Dame. But bro, the only way we'll ever get a superstar of that magnitude is if we pull off one of those psycho trades. Yeah, you right? got to get one first. Dude, the one that pissed me off was that Kawhi wanted to stay, but... If we went they, and got Paul George, right? If we got Paul George, but he didn't want to give up... Siakam. Was it Pascal for Paul George? 
in the trade i'm like dude we i swear we would have won the the bubble championship too we would have got to keep not only paul but Kawhi. it was a two for one i'm tired of seeing siakam anyways god love him hell of a guy for the city does a lot for the kids and the community but that goddamn spin move man that ain't even gonna work in the the bunt jam next summer bro (laughs) (laughs) here's dono again thinking he's a pro athlete Oh, Are you gonna you gonna block that one? <laughs> He'd be on our team. <laughs> yeah, I guess if if Kawhi is gonna be on the New Balance team, we're gonna need more than Siakam then. Yeah. Any last words? Oh, I almost forgot oh. to throw this one in your face. I think I closed out last week by saying. Uh, the Steelers are going to shock the world and beat oh, Baltimore. And, and I'm pretty sure you just laughed me off like a crazy bastard. Where I'm watching that shit in Berlin with Bass on the couch. We're just zombies. Just I hated watching. Partied out. Fresh out Burkheim. Fucking. Uh, and he's just talking the most shit about Pickett. And I'm like, yo, I had like, yo, I swear in like the first it quarter, it was solo scoring and, and dirty. I was like, yo, I'm telling you, this is Tomlin football. The Steelers are going to win. And then it's like getting late into the game. It's still 10-3 or whatever. Then they get the safety 10-5, then a field goal 10-8. I'm like, Bass, I swear to fuck it's happening. I'm telling you. All game, I'm yelling at him. And then they they throw, did what What happened? What was, was there an end zone pick or something? Or some change of possession super late, right? Like they fumbled the ball. I can't remember what it was now, but basically... The Ravens got the ball back like pretty late in the fourth, and and then there was an they put up on the TV 89% win probability for the Ravens, and I was Ooh, like, "Fuck!" And Bass was I laughing. That at is me. the that's worse than the the percentage they give you in the stat tracker, man. Like <laughs> the most confusing shit in the world, man. I mean, at the when the Ravens had the ball, it really felt like it. And then did he throw? And then he threw a pick in the end zone, right? Steelers get the ball back and even then I was still like oh shit I don't know if Pickett's been looking dusty all game like can he go the length of the field and then fourth and one or fourth and two whatever it was pick I thought they were gonna just try and go up the gut with Najee's trash ass and my, my man sent a floater perfectly into Pickens hands and that's ball game man that was so fucking sick it was epic and I'm worried that they might have some sort of uh momentum yeah that's the word i was looking for that's the last thing here we come and we're first place in the division and i put 20 bucks on them to win the division but i'm definitely not feeling great about that huh oh just on FanDuel. yeah fucking freak gambler now did you see the look on matt canada's face in the box when kenny pickett audibled out of his probably Najee run up the gut to a game-winning <laughs> touchdown. Everybody else was cheering I, and his face was yo, pissed. Yo, I bro. sent that to you. I was pissed. I'm like, yo, if that's actually... Because, you know, sometimes people just make shit up. Like, yeah. the captions. Like, you don't know what actually... Maybe he, maybe Matt Canada did call that. Like, I don't know. But it definitely looked like the face of a man who just got... Like, he's Exposed. like, he won the assignment, but it wasn't his doing. So, like, he won the... the te- or whatever. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, just like yo, please fire him. Do you see at the at the Penguins game, the the hockey fans were cheering "Fire Canada" too. Yeah, 
Oh That's my god! Epic. But Tomlin just seems like the the kind of dude who's so stubborn. He just like won't do it. Just he sticks by his cause. guys. But yeah, next year, man. And then what? I'll be in the uh, same situation. Like if there's a new coordinator, do I keep Kenny Pickett again? Is this the year? Like fuck, man. You're Fire stuck him with right Kenny now. Pickett. You're god stuck. Damn with him. it. All right, y'all. That's gonna wrap up this week's episode of the Bunt. Catch y'all next week. Peace. Yeah.